Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Queer Talk, a queer podcast that brings you a regular dose of positive news stories and fabulous interviews. Hi. Hi. Hello listeners, in this episode we have some great queer news stories for you and also today we're joined by digital creative Charlie Long. Charlie uses he, they pronouns and is the creator of Quasar magazine. So I was reading a local Welsh newspaper, Spencer, and found this (laughs) cute article that the headline reads, Drag Queen Children's Storyteller Receives Nomination for 2021 British LGBT Awards. So the organisation here is called Drag Queen Story Hour. It's a Cardiff-based LGBT organisation which aims to engage children's creativity and love for reading stories. Love. So Samuel, also known as Drag Queen Ada HD. Do you get it? It might be like... Yeah, Yeah. Um, sorry, my brain was working slow at Saturday. (laughs) (laughs) So Ada HD started this during like late 2019 and since is regularly reading to young people across the UK in an effort to diversify learning and acceptance. Love to see it. Amazing. Mm -hmm. Ada HD has been through a bit of a journey because since doing this, has been criticised and abused by exclusionary feminist groups, TERFs, last year. And yeah, we don't like them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> rebuke the word that's the soundtrack for any time i mention tough <laughs> but that didn't stop her and she also had one event in leeds cancelled because of locals sending complaints and concerns to the council so she has like met with resistance because it is that kind of arena i guess is you know a drag queen going around telling stories um entertaining children and you know that kind of makes some homophobic transphobic people uncomfortable for some reason mm. but despite all of that she continues to do her fantastic work and has been now nominated for a british lgbt award so brilliant yeah uh, we'd love to see it and like just to give a bit of context to what these awards are about is other organizations that have been up for the same award uk black pride the outside project just like us mindline trans and band conversion therapy campaign so amongst very good company so to be honest, when I read this article, I think it was just great to see drag being used in a slightly different way. Like, yeah, it's being used directly to help children, community. Like, I think I'm just so used to seeing drag queens being the kind of RuPaul's Drag Race entertainers and also kind of just at pubs and stuff where there's a lot of drinking involved. It's just great to see drag queens in a kind of a different context and being really like, directly supporting the community. Yeah. Uh, it- not just the LGBT community, but like just children in general. I think there's this whole idea that like, I think because of the way we see them, you know, getting drunk, swearing, being sexual sometimes, maybe it's like, oh, well, that's not child friendly. But obviously, like in the library reading, you know, the, the very hungry caterpillar, they're probably not going to be like, yes, <laughs> like being dirty and stuff. It's it's important yeah. to for these for these people outside who, who are looking in on this to be like, OK, they're probably not corrupting my children. And also, I'd be so grateful if someone would I don't have kids, but if someone would read to my kids so I didn't have to. Right. Like that's 
that's quite a nice <laughs> a nice break so also like yeah. be grateful for this person coming in and, and doing the work for you and raising your children to be diverse and accepting like this is what we need i was gonna say i think it's really cool that children will be exposed to that kind of side of drag as well yeah from yeah. such an early age and then be able to see it's... how gorgeous and amazing it is and how much it brings people together so it's yeah it's... they've got that kind of exposure it's a softer side of drag and mm -hmm. like, if you think about drag as an art form it's so colorful children are going to love it it's really freeing as well to see like adults kind of being so breaking gender bar barriers and gender like stereotypes as well yeah mm -hmm. so it's going to help like all the kids regardless and i was looking on their social media and they had Ginny lemon on recently oh, uh, as part wow. of the drag queen story hour so it's getting more and more traction oh, and i love seeing it when did you when did you first come across like a drag queen? I don't think I discovered drag. I, I not myself. I I could never purely based on skill. But like when did you first <laughs> like when did you see your first drag queen? Not necessarily in person. I think Drag Race was kind of my entry into that because really? because of growing up in North Wales. Like I yeah. I wouldn't have even known where to start. And I don't like yeah in in the town I grew up in. I don't think there were maybe drag queens. Maybe there's like one or two. Is that the is that the same for you, Charlie? Drag Race being uh, the first do you know time. What? I had seen drag before and kind of knew of it but i definitely think drag uh, race i remember the first season i watched was season six when that came out i remember watching it being like oh wow yeah I'm just obsessed so i think that's like the real first time exposure to like proper feeling like i actually knew what drag was if you know what yeah. i mean yeah yeah i think for me it was well i guess because brighton london there's a lot of drag queens mm, but i've yeah. always seen it in that kind of cabaret traditional british kind of drag yeah. in pubs and it always felt a bit like old-fashioned to me mm. like it wasn't very relatable to me until i saw drag race um that's when mm. i realized oh wait there's like i guess that's american drag or like even not maybe not american drag just like tv drag it's just more entertaining and like more contemporary the different sides of it yeah yeah i think there's been a lot of discussion around this in terms of like drag race uk it still doesn't reflect British drag. Like, it, it reflects British yeah. drag queens, but, like, in terms of when you see them on, like, Canal Street or in Soho or mm. wherever else, like, having to do these challenges and, and be gorgeous all the time and do this all the time, like, British drag queens are kind of known for being imperfect, right? And being, yeah. and being slightly yeah. messy and slightly more fun. Mm. So I'm, I'm glad that Drag Race UK came out and also that now I'm, I'm in Manchester and I can go to the village and, and see, see it in the flesh because we get this idea that drag is one thing, and that's, that's not good either. And although Drag Race has opened up so many conversations and obviously it mm. showed the world that drag exists, it's important for us to know that there's more than one way to do drag and particularly yeah. around the conversations surrounding drag kings as well, which we, we yeah. see very little of. I think Dragula, I haven't watched Dragula yet because, because of time, but I believe that's got a lot more like representation of like drag kings and stuff like that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, again, I haven't seen it either, but everyone says it's got more drag kings, more non-binary and trans people as well. Which it is more representative. Um, yeah. And it's supposed to be really entertaining as well, so great. Let's we need to see more of it on RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah. I, want to see, I want to see this kind of diversity on the, the bigger stage. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you'll ever get drag kings on RuPaul's Drag Race because it's a drag mm. queen show. Yeah. yeah. It'd be cool if there was like a... A sub show. This is the thing. Oh, no. Rue has the platform to do that if exactly. if she wanted to. Yeah. Um, Too busy making celebrity mini series. <laughs> <laughs> no one watched. Uh, oh come on, I enjoyed that. <laughs> but yeah, like could have made a four episode drag king series. Yeah. Where's that? Yeah. We'll get international all stars first. Yeah, mm -hmm. imagine. But yeah, this this article I kind of just chose it because it 
it reminded me that there's another side to drag than just what we see on like, mainstream media. And it really reminded me of like when I used to go to Pride uh, a couple of years ago when there was a Pride, like there was a, I met a guy who ran Cancer is a Drag. And that's a similar kind of thing, like drag queens raising money for cancer patients and giving Christmas presents to children on cancer wards. So I just, I just think like drag queens are, especially to the straight world, sometimes are ambassadors. Uh, the ambassadors for the LGBT community. And especially with Drag Race now, like they are, when you see a drag queen, you think of the ent- entire queer community and you don't see the heavy stuff sometimes. You just see queer joy and like happiness. So I think that's great. And bad turfs for trying to stop it. Yeah, no, two pandemics at once. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you got, Spencer? Okay, so my story this week is taken from Pink News and it's a bit, it is positive but it definitely will will cause another conversation. It's a little bit controversial. So okay. my, my story is, the headline is, the Danish girl musical adaptation, which makes me excited mm-hmm. already, casts a trans woman in the lead role. Now um. for, <laughs> straight in there, love to see it. Okay, so originally the Danish girl is a film about a girl called Lily who over a hundred years ago, which kind of blew my mind, was one of the first people to transition and unfortunately didn't survive the operation, which it was a really, really emotional and hard-hitting story. But the representation and kind of the narrative needed to be told. Now, I thought The Danish Girl was an incredible film, as in it really did do a good job, except mm. we had the issue that Eddie Redmayne, a straight man, was cast as the lead. And since then, most of the discussions around should trans people play trans roles, which mm-hmm. the answer is yeah. always yes, has has mostly like re- referred to that and as well as other shows and films and stuff. But this yeah. was one of the leaders, I think, in that conversation. So just to go back to the article, they have cast Al Morgan Lee as the lead Lily. The musical tells the story of Lily, who was a Danish painter who became one of the first people to undergo gender affirmation surgery. Mm-hmm. The, the film came out in 2015, and obviously it was very controversial when Eddie Redmayne played the role. Um, and won awards for it, right? And won an Oscar. Yeah. It was an Oscar nomination. An Oscar? I don't know if they won the Oscar. Okay. If you won the Oscar, sorry. Do you research, Spencer? I don't do my research, <laughs> honestly. I just woke up. Al, Al Morgan Lee said, I've dreamed of getting my hands on this kind of material in a show, but the reality is black women, and even more specifically black trans women, are so rarely, if ever, considered. Mm-hmm. Which... Which is interesting now, obviously, Mufsin, we had a conversation before recording about the fact that Lily being Danish. Yeah. When you told me about this article, I thought, yes, great. Like, like exactly like Charlie said, great trans representation, mm-hmm. a trans person playing a trans person. That's what we want. We've talked about this before on the podcast. But I was a bit thrown because it's uh, a black trans person playing a white trans person. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, that whole issue with Hermione in the Harry Potter play, being played by a black person, and then loads of people getting upset because it was traditionally portrayed by a white person in the films. It kind of remind me of that, but also I think the difference here is it's called The Danish Girl 100 years ago, and the character is specifically white, and I wasn't really sure how I felt with that part of the representation. I don't know, it was kind of- Do you know of- what? I, I think it's um, really cool that we're getting more colorblind casting, as mm. in like where, the colour doesn't matter as in like it was it Anne Boleyn 
uh, that was played by yeah, yeah. a black actress, and I think that's incredible because it just it it rewrites history in a way that is told through the gaze of not a non almost racist perspective of having to worry about the color of skin and actually just telling a story as opposed to focusing on. But should we rewrite history? I think we should definitely progress with the times that we're living in now mm. and have diverse casting and colorblind casting. So I feel as though I think Lily's story, for example, is a beautiful story and it's a story that many people have lived. And I think it's just she is almost the story's almost now a. Uh, a story Universal. that covers multiple stories, yeah. yeah. And I think it's really cool that they've done colorblind casting as opposed to yeah. sticking to something more traditional. Sure. Yeah, I, I totally agree. There's more merits to this kind of casting than others because the other way is kind of disadvantages minorities. Yeah. It, it's, it's complex for me because I'm just like, if it's specifically a white Danish person, then maybe it should be played by a white Danish trans person or like a white trans person. And I think when it comes to like casting for roles, it should be colorblind if it doesn't really make too much of a difference to the actual character. So like if you're hiring a brand new cast for a brand new story, then like, sure, like if it's not integral to their story of like, say they're having a specific journey about being from one minority or one like ethnicity, then they obviously you kind of need, like you can't have a, a black character who's played by a white person, for example, that wouldn't really make sense. But I think yeah. there's just a bit more like here to unpick rather than maybe saying like, oh yeah, a trans actress is playing a trans character. Um, I think as well, the other really good thing about it is of course with Black Lives Matter and Black Trans Lives Matter and mm. really putting that focus on the really horrific situations that black trans women are faced with in particular. I think it's really cool that they've cast someone um, who is black yeah. because then it is kind of highlighting all the issues that are going on now yeah. and all the issues that were happening a hundred years ago. So I think it's kind of yeah. really clever casting, if anything, because these issues are still very much real and still very much happening for black trans women of colour. And yeah. I think Lily's story is perhaps telling it through a different... Of course, it's a true story that she lived through, but I think as well it's a story that symbolises things that people are living through even today and all the yeah. other things that come with it. I agree with you. I think people's attitudes are just really highlighted and I mm. think last year highlighted that as well of just the real racism that is innate in a lot of people and how they are just yeah. so hung up on well even things like film casting and musical yeah. casting and things like that and it's and it's and it's gross and I think this is why it's so good that these big productions are doing this colorblind casting because it's continuing to not give in to yeah, yeah. it's the, it's allowing new narratives to be yeah, um, exactly. shared which are usually not shared from the article, it was, Spencer, you just said, there aren't many opportunities given to black trans people in, say, in that kind of industry. So hopefully this will open doors for more opportunities for more trans people. Absolutely. Exactly. And I think, I think it's important to remember, obviously that story was real and happened, but this is an adaptation and it's a musical. Now, Lily's Life 100 years ago wasn't a musical. It's one of those, like, actually, we're, we're doing this in a new way. It's a new creative way of telling that story, right? Rather than saying, oh, we're trying to get it super accurate, like piece for piece. So I, I, yeah. I think, like, thinking about it more and listening to you, Charlie, it's like, actually, yeah, like, why wouldn't this work? I'm here for entertainment and, also, like and you to said, be educated. And I think, like you said, it's a musical, not a biopic. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a creative adaptation of something if you that, get... that happened, and it's turning it into something brand new and telling a story that relates to what we're going through now. Exactly. Yeah, I think I was thinking of it as more like if it was a biopic, maybe I'd want to see a white person play mm -hmm. a white person. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're absolutely right. If it's a musical, then I, if I'm not bothered about her singing during her trauma, 
And why am I worried about the colour of the skin or the, the actress? Amen. Okay, so another reason that this is positive is because they wanted to tell a positive uh, and joyful trans story because Lily's life wasn't all doom and gloom. She was supported and accepted and loved by her wife, her siblings, her parents, her friends, and the wider community. And she even found a surgeon who believed and understood her at the time. Now, even today, trans people are struggling to be understood by healthcare professionals. So a hundred years later, why haven't... I think we have made progress. It's unfair to say that we haven't, but obviously we haven't made enough. And so... Mm this too is nice they don't just want to go oh a trans person who died like because we you know we hear enough doom and gloom and i don't think i mean the very reason we do these positive news stories is to be like oh queer people actually have good things happening too so yeah i think overall this is a super positive you know black trans representation being Mm -hmm. cast they've also cast a number of other trans people in the other roles in the in the musical Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. not even just you know my case of tokenism or tick in a box i think like that they actually um, wanted to do it right and they they've had yeah. like a whole consultancy board including jake and hannah graff who are both oh, um, yeah. very well known trans people in our community so it it looks like they're doing all the right things and i'm excited to see it come out i think it's happening in london rather than in the u.s no it said peterborough didn't it where's peterborough is that in the u.s <laughs> <laughs> it's in the uk but the actress is oh. american but hopefully, I, I if, it, if it blows up, it will come. It will come to the West End, surely. Yeah, I mean, if if Jake and Hannah are on as consultants on the project, it should be amazing. Yeah, as long go, as they bring it to places. Manchester, actually, I don't. We'll care be there at the premiere. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and having an all trans cast as well. What a uh, unapologetic celebration of queerness yeah. as yeah. well. Yeah, finally in in a musical sense. One hundred. Yeah, it reminds me of what they did with Hamilton and having mm-hmm. non-white cast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so i'm excited and i just hope it doesn't receive too much backlash because obviously being on such a large stage and doing something so incredible always faces that afterwards so i hope that you know the community as well as people outside of our community can really lift this up and and see it yeah. for what it is which is you know entertainment yeah. and an important story yeah. and kind of try and not look too far past that and, exactly. ca- and cause any more aggravation for us yeah Gorgeous. Well, that was my piece. There we go. I like that. Two great pieces about celebrating the community. Absolutely. Drag queens and musicals. It doesn't get camper than that. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So I am delighted to reintroduce Charlie Long to you today. We haven't officially met in person, but I hope that we do a one day very soon. 
we're absolutely I think you've just returned to London so as soon as I'm yes, as soon finally. as I'm back we'll all we'll all have a kiki somewhere yes, somehow Charlie is one of those people who thrives in just about everything they do building <laughs> compliments compliments just take them just take them Guys, we're not going to get it. them after today showered in compliments honestly I had to write something nice it took me a while but we're here yeah. we're here <laughs> she had to really pull it out <laughs> from building your magazine from the ground up to also making change on socials it is very very good to have you with us today so welcome thank you it's good to be here thank yeah. you so Charlie, I'm going to have to back up right to the beginning. Could you tell us more about yourself? Like, who is Charlie Long as a person? Who am I? What a big question. Joe, I'd describe myself a over-emotional Pisces, somebody who just loves being creative and creating content. And like, I don't really mind what I do. I just, as long as I'm keeping busy and feeling important, <laughs> feeling important, I'm fine. Obviously, it's been hard during the pandemic, but... Yeah. We've made it work. Yeah. But yeah, I just describe myself as creative, ambitious, okay. and a Pisces. And I'm just going to check my compatibility chart with four Pisces. <laughs> What's that side of you guys? I'm an Aries. And I'm a Taurus. <gasps> Terrifying. Yeah. It's, we're I'm in like, the middle of our birthday seasons. Yeah. Me and Taurus, I'll take it. Aries, I'm scared of you, but. <laughs> I'm not very scary. <laughs> no, we can't be scared of Mufsin. He's a big softy. <laughs> So I guess mm. I guess that you're most known for Quasar magazine, mm-hmm. um, which was your your biggest phenomenon, mm. and it had a real cultural impact on on our community. It kind of cultural like impact. I'm I'm throwing that out there as a very bold statement, but like it came like for me as in how I mm-hmm. I, I didn't know you nor the magazine, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden mm-hmm. you were everywhere, and and it was and it was visually stunning, and you were just capturing Thank like you. a very I don't even know how to describe Quasar, but like it was. It was very artistic, very editorial. And like even your feed, like the images you were sharing of like Rihanna mostly, like all the people like this. I, like I think it was it was similar to Dazed in that kind of direction, but it was it was very, very different at the same time. And I think we yeah. we all bought into it quite quickly. So talk to us about that. What was Quasar? What was your vision with that? I mean, Quasar was my baby, I miss her, and I love her. But I was just really wanting, I was fed up of seeing magazines that are big, like all the big well-known ones, not saying any names, but I hate I hate seeing the tokenism and the kind of only raising awareness during Pride season or yeah. Black History Month. or And it's kind of like, we're here all year, folks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So I was just tired of seeing the big magazines only highlighting voices at relevant times. And I just feel it's really important and essential to be celebrating diversity all year round because otherwise I think it creates this like odd sense of calm for cishet audiences who are perhaps not as educated as we are and they can get a calm and think, oh, I only have to think about queer people at Pride or, oh, I'll only think about these people during, do you know what I mean? So I think yeah. it's really important to have something in your face all the time. And other than Bricks magazine, who is just phenomenal, owned by Tori West, who's one of my friends and she's gorgeous and amazing what she does yeah other than bricks i can't think of a magazine that does it so unapologetically all the time so yeah i just think it was something that we're missing in mainstream media and i wanted to try and bring that <laughs> it's amazing i mean so going back to the origins of queer talk i mm-hmm. and i met because i was very much on the same page as you like i'm sick of seeing the same people in the same covers and the same magazines doing the same yeah. shit every week yeah like and I'm really grateful that these magazines do hold the space they do. Okay, they are important, mm-hmm. but they there could be they could be doing more. And so I, when yeah. me and Mufsin met for the first time, I was like, hey, so I'm about to start a magazine for mm-hmm. queer people that does this, does that. And Mufsin was like, well, I'm about to start a podcast. And I was like, 
let's join forces. And we went yeah. with the podcast idea instead of the magazine. And mm-hmm. honestly, seeing Quasar, we literally never would have got there. Like, I'll, oh, I'll, no. I'll, I'll hold my hands up. Like, listen, it would have been, it would have been cute and it would have been a vibe, but like, we never would have got there. Your creative direction with that mm-hmm. has been, has been everything. You should have invited me. We could have had a Honestly, well, if only we can I... still do it. We can still do it. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen his threesome and gets excited. Please don't do that. In the middle of the show. I, I did not say that. I just said that with my eyes. <laughs> um, and obviously the covers are not the main thing. Obviously the stories inside are important too, but the covers visually yeah. are, are what we see. And you've pr- mm-hmm. produced some incredible covers with the likes of Monroe Bergdorf, July Jones, like some incredible big names. For mm-hmm. someone just starting out, you're obviously very well connected. So talk to us about like, who was your favorite person to work with? I know it's hard to pick favorites oh, when, when they're all your friends. And also mm-hmm. where did these mm-hmm. concepts come from? Because you really are out there doing some like Lady Gaga shit uh, with, ah. in, in your shoots. <laughs> I mean, we're always doing Lady Gaga shit. But no, it was the, when you say well-connected, I mean, do you know what? I started it September of 2019 and it was like, right, how can I build from this? And I messaged Tori, who helped me so much. And she was like, you just need to get connected, connected, connected. Like send out emails. You're going to get ignored. Yeah. You're going to get rejected. Blah, blah, blah. So she really helped me in that regard. And then it was just a case of trial and error. But I mean, favorite people to work with, I mean, Munro was just a dream come true. I loved working with Munro and that was one of my favorite shoots we've done. July Jones is just one of the nicest people ever. Josh Harrison. Just loads of people that I've worked with have just been amazing. Jodie Harsh. I mean, but the shoots and the concepts, I kind of approach them from whatever I'm feeling at the time. I'm not someone that's a very good planner. I just have to, like, roll with the punches and do whatever Hmm. comes to mind. And, I mean, as someone who does, like, photo retouching and stuff, sometimes I would literally just take someone into a blank studio with, like, the most plain canvas ever and then just edit whatever I wanted later when I felt a bit more inspired or no. I would then approach a shoot from whatever music I was listening to or just yeah kind of like any idea that was bouncing around my head and then of course it's really important like for my Rose shoot was the first real time I got to work with a real solid team on a shoot and just having that I worked with uh, Jared Bell who's one of my friends and a really amazing stylist and Bas Boo who's just amazing on Instagram Basso Boo and we just literally sat in a small cafe in Shoreditch and bounced ideas off each other and it was a really cool way of working so I'm not someone that usually works well in a team <laughs> so I get a bit of control freak over it but no it was a really cool way of working and made me realize that it's good to be with people that know what they're doing <laughs> yeah I think collaboration is really key you get so much more out of it exactly and yeah. I've learned that now as opposed to me being like I need to do this I need to do this and I need to do that I need to do that and being like complete OCD over everything it's just but no it was it was a really good experience so yeah collaboration is definitely key yeah it is it's really hard to let go I'm very similar and I've seen will 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 be testament to this I I want complete control over everything because then you know you then you know it's been done right and it's not that other people wouldn't do it the right way but they might Mm -hmm. not do it your way and it's very very hard to let go and that's something that I still battle with every single week I struggle with speed I'm like if I really put my all into it, I could get this done tonight. But I know you're going to take a week and I don't have yeah. a week. Yeah. But no. But it's also valuing your own time. Like, yes, exactly. you could do it in a day, but mm-hmm. you could also just let other people do it and work with them. And yeah. also the control thing is like, you can you can have oversight rather than control, you know? Yes, exactly. Like, you can have direct creative I eventually oversight. learned it. I eventually yeah. learned it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but Especially you... if you're doing a magazine. Like, you know, you can't do everything. Honestly, but like also that, that like, okay, we'll give it to so-and-so. It will take a week. 
then you're like, wait, what do I do for the next week, right? You're like, okay, oh, yeah, you well, totally maybe, have stuff to do. maybe I should do something else. Because I'm like, if I take a day off from work or something, I'm like, okay, so should I start a new project today? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think maybe you're similar. I'm like, if I have nothing to do, I get more stressed about that. Yeah. Like, I, I prefer the stress of work than the stress of not doing anything. Oh, right, right. And then couple... I always find myself in like a rut of like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so I just, it's just always good to keep busy. So yeah, I think that's where my like control freak comes yeah. from. I think I took a couple of days off on my birthday and I was like, oh my God, like I'm going to fall behind on everything. On your birthday, babe, have a day yeah. off. So Quasar is on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that because of the Pandora? Yeah, so I mean, it was, I mean, talking about doing everything yourself, I was literally, I, I'm not, I don't, I didn't have any financial resources to like run it. So I was literally running out of like string. I was just pulling everything that I could asking people for favors using uni studios if i had if i had to like it was just a real uh, mm. diy moment i do shoots in my lounge it was just a real didn't have any money so of course when the pandemic hit and plays are kind of struggle financially because i was getting so many good opportunities coming up because i feel as though after my Mo's issue everything really opened up and i was working with really mm. amazing people like dorian electra and andrew fitzsimmons and people like that and it was really like it was getting Two big Fritz boots for one person's handle, I think. And I just completely burnt myself out. So when October came around last year, I was like, do you know what? I need to hang this up until I'm yeah. in the financial and mental space to really take this on. Because I think people don't give it credit how expensive creative projects are, especially when it comes to a magazine we've got organised perhaps 120 pages and every page needs a shoot or paying yeah, for the time, of course. And, and I never want to be one of those people that's like, can you do this for free because I know every creative struggling so it's just yeah. yeah so yeah it's on a break now but it will come back one day I just well it's good that, good that there's a huge demand for it like mm-hmm. it, it's a victim to its own success is that what people say mm-hmm. but what is important is like you've hung it up you've paused it and said like I'm, yeah. I'm going to come back to this rather than yeah. going ahead and burning it to the ground exactly you know? and you're not exactly. going to burn yourself out either so exactly. are you already kind of like slowly building content and photographs and like for the next I mean, issue i i mean i think in any creative project that i have been doing on the side of it is all kind of within the same vein as Quasar. and mm. if i perhaps i've done a shoot i'm always thinking oh, this would look really good if i did this <laughs> or things like that so i mean i'm always doing something and always doing content but mm. i mean for the most part i've been working on other things that perhaps don't take up as much brain space at the moment especially during when the second lockdown hit over christmas oh it was over for me i just couldn't do anything so i think in the first lockdown it was just like oh my god this is a luxury we've got like two yeah. weeks off to because you know when it's like oh two weeks lockdown will be fine and it was like oh two weeks off i was like doing the rest of issue five i was having a good time i was in my garden doing work it all felt very good and then this second lockdown came along and it was just like, I'm done. I'm done with this pandemic. I need to be out the house and I need to be mixing with other queer people again that yeah. inspire me. I'm just like running out of inspiration. So yeah, it's just about, I just I went into the pandemic classes, I think. Yeah. Whenever that day will be. There'll be, there'll be a creative boom after that, I think. Yes, so do I. Yeah, so do I. And I'm, I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> so when it comes to the kind of content that you've got in the magazine and what mm-hmm. the kind of content you want to have for future issues, yeah. like, where's your focus on? Like, would you rather do more fashion, life and culture? Do you know what? All of it. I just, I oh. just, quite up primarily as well. I wanted it to be kind of, I hate using the word political, because I feel like people get like... <laughs> But I just, I want, I, I, it's, it is socially and politically charged. Like I wanted everything to be, I wanted like 
straight person could pick it up in a shelf and be like, oh, okay, I'm learning something. And in a way that wasn't domineering, if you know what I mean. So, mm. so people get their defences up too quickly over issues that perhaps they don't want to hear about. And it's like, no, you need to listen. So I wanted people to be able to pick up the magazine and learn something. And at the same time as well, of course, we always infuse fashion and all the other things that I love into yeah. that. And I think it's just a part of it when you do like creative shoots. So yeah, I think I'd focus on it all again when I go back. So that's a really interesting point because when you think about having an audience for a queer magazine, you're also thinking about the straight people mm-hmm. and it's actually quite important for progress to, to make content for straight people, but like to yeah. have it accessible for them because they're the people that, yeah. need, that need to educate themselves. If they yeah. see a magazine like Quasar and be like, Oh, that's not for me. They're not going to read it and they're going to learn. Exactly. So I, I, that's why, like you said, Spencer about having that dazed paper S. I kind of purposefully did that because I wanted it to be unapologetically queer, but also from a perspective of, I hate saying, I've never dulled down the queer list. I mean, as in from a perspective of making the queer content appear more mainstream, if that makes any sense yeah, in what I'm like saying. Yeah, like making it I feel like I'm, yeah, palatable. Yeah, see, I, I don't use any of these words. But you know <laughs> what I mean? As in, I wanted it to be something that anyone could pick up and feel they connected to. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I use the word accessible, even though it sounds super fucking boring. I know. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's like, because I don't want to be saying that you, you're diluting your queerness or exactly, anything yeah. or anyone else's queerness. It's not about that. No. It's about making sure other people can have access to that queerness. Yeah, because I want it to be an educational resource as well. As mm. in, like, these issues are happening and we need to be talking about them. So I want I want you to pick this up and I want you to educate yourself. from a And I feel connected to it still. So, Yeah. And there's, there's not been a single issue where you have doled down the queerness either. Mm-hmm. Like, as in, mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've had a little look and I've been through them and I'm like, like, every single page is, is, is there. Like, it's it. And I was, I was really excited by the whole thing. And also, I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit or you're definitely not bragging as much as you should be here. But, like, you, you, you virtually did do the whole thing, like, by yourself. I understand yeah. you had people supporting you and helping you and getting mm. involved but it was literally you yeah and that that yeah. is a lot like you produced it was a lot you produced a lot of content printed people like changing people's lives pe- giving people a resource you, like you did that so i think sitting here and being like oh but you know i burned out like god of course you did but also yeah. like <laughs> yeah celebrate what you did because we, we do need that to return but obviously only i think when that's the other ready. thing if i ever bought it back i would do I would not do an issue every eight weeks because 120 pages in eight weeks. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. over. Yeah, a lot. Too much. A lot. Yeah. So on top of this, I know you've you've had a little break from socials and thankfully yes. you've returned, but you're yes. always making noise online with regards to social issues, particularly yeah. around trans rights. Now, I know that a lot of people are constantly making noise, but I don't know why your tweets always stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe just because I'm like, love to see it, mm-hmm. particularly with all your creativity. But... Do you ever feel the need, and obviously I already know kind of the answer to this, but to take a step back from that and focus on you? And, and what, does, yeah. what does that self-care look like to you? Because you obviously took a break from socials. So, so that is a form of self-care in itself. But yeah. yeah, what does that look like to you? Well, you know what, last year when, obviously when the pandemic hit and then Quasar, I got rid of Quasar, it was kind of like a then a moment of like, shit, like what now? And I think I... I'm someone that was getting so hooked on social media and constantly digesting the news and constantly, and of course, 
as queer people, you only have to log on to the news every day and find out some new horrific cases happen somewhere in the world. And it's just kind of like, it's too much for one person to take on. And I think that goes for all of us. As in, the, we yeah. need to learn that it's it's too much to take on sometimes. Of like when you're reading the news and someone that looks like you is as queer as you has had something horrific happen. It's just like, this is real in real life and it's too much to take on sometimes. I feel this, I'm definitely one of those people as well that was trying to fight every single issue at once. Yeah. And taking on issues uh, that I also felt were really important need to be spoken about and I think it just gets too much. So I think mm. definitely deleting social media at the beginning of the year just gave me time to recharge and so now I'm back, get back into it from a more healthy perspective and have a better relationship with social media as in deleting Twitter regularly and <laughs> making sure I'm not reading the news every day because if I read the news every day, it's not good. Yeah. So You're absolutely right. Yeah. You might care about everything and we all do, but exactly. we can't, we can't exactly. take on the world. Exactly. And, and, and I also had to learn that as much as I think every voice is important and make sure we're constantly on these conversations, I single-handedly cannot change the world in one tweet. Yeah. So sometimes it's good to just take a step back recharge and then come back from a healthier perspective as well yeah. because if you're if you're going from a perspective of someone that's completely burned out and just ranting and almost i think i was someone that's also seeking fights of like online <laughs> of being like getting angry at everyone it's like no you need to recharge come back and, and you'll be more effective that way. exactly exactly yeah. yeah i think often we feel as well like if we're not making and this is speaking personally if we're not saying it on twitter or like posting about it on instagram like we're not doing the work or we're not we, we don't mm. care or it doesn't mm -hmm. seem like we're speaking up but actually mm -hmm. it's also good to take time to go and learn and do your research and talk to like real people around you in the real world and have exactly. those conversations like not everything needs to be played out online and I, again something i struggle with because I, I i do make a lot of noise online just as much as the rest of every, uh, the rest of the world but yeah i think it's something we we need to learn as individuals as well as to like taking that time to learn and grow off socials is, is exactly. just as important as, as being exactly. on socials. Yeah. And I think we are a world as well of infographics now and having constant information that's just accessible with the click of a finger or on Instagram. And it's like every other story you click on is an infographic, which is so good to see. But so, when you're sometimes scrolling through and you think, oh, something's happened here, something's happened here, something's happened here. It's like, oh my God, this is really horrific. I want to help all of these causes, mm. but I, 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 I can't. And I think that's the overwhelming feeling of kind of like, we're so aware, but also we're very much aware of the fact that we can't solve it in a click of a finger, and it's and it's an ongoing fight, and that, that things aren't changing perhaps at the speed that they need to be, and it's and it's a really overwhelming sense of disempowerment and yeah. feeling like you are just this very small fish at a huge pond, and yeah. not being able to change things with because you don't have the resources to. So I think it's definitely good to just take a step back and realise that you can't change everything with a tweet, but keep making noise and apply all of the things you're saying to real life have these conversations with people learn from people talk to black people about black issues talk to trans people about trans issues and digest them take them on and apply them to your real life and educate people around you boom yeah amen <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's no, absolutely true like we are a world of infographics we're so hyper connected in this yeah. world but we we might know about everything in the world now because of the internet and social media exactly. but we can't fix it all and actually we need to live in the real world as well as the virtual world. Quite to real life as well. So I'm still like, still taking in the old big speech. Preaching. We'll just end the podcast there. <laughs> so kind of not specifically Quasar, but it's kind of mm -hmm. for the next few months, 
What are you most excited about? Pandemic depends. I'm excited to be around queer people again and absorb all of it and just embrace all of it because I've had a year being away and I just, it's not good for mental health. It's not mm. good for creativity. It's not good for feeling inspired. I just, because we're one big family and it's nice to be around that. And as well, I'm excited just for being creative again and getting back on board with all the different projects that I want to work on and focus on. So yeah, I'm excited for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait. We, we were talking about recording in person again because mm-hmm. this just isn't the same like I've had a gorgeous time today but this just yeah. isn't the same imagine getting, yeah. getting in a room having a drink or doing whatever mm. and just having a hug yeah oh my god I can't wait for hugs again and and yeah just being being in person with queer people and like again like mm-hmm. bouncing ideas off each other and stuff emails and and, and zoom calls just aren't the one I know. I'm yeah. sick of it I didn't realize I'd be sick of it but I'm so sick of it I'm sick I know, of again, it's on like... the screen it's, it's like at the beginning it was like oh this is all right this is fun i can do this i can talk to people in my pajamas now it's just like a year and a half on it's like i can't do another zoom call or i will cry i'm not i'm now getting full-on dressed up to go to aldi like that, oh, no. <laughs> that, that's the difference my local tesco gets a fashion show yeah now. it's the runway the runway <laughs> in the fucking biscuit aisle we love to see yeah, it serve it down the bread Oh, okay. So I think that everyone is the end of episode 29, which is mm. wild. And you can join <laughs> us next time for the finale of season <gasps> two. Ooh. I can't believe we're here already. We've done so much. And um, yeah, Charlie, oh, you guys flowing. are killing it. You're killing it. No, you're <laughs> killing it. <laughs> no, you are. <laughs> Still doing the compliments. Yeah, no one's complimented me yet. <laughs> I've seen you're killing it too. I've you... seen you're thank killing you, thank it. You, you're thank gorgeous. You. You're like a model. <laughs> <laughs> so, Charlie, please let us know how we can find you on social media. At Chinong6. And my Twitter one is too complicated and it's a bit. Oh, and please, it's... please tell us. <laughs> we, like, we like a challenge. At, uh, at Charlie Low, but the A is a V. Oh, if that makes any sense, everyone. For our listeners, we'll just tag them. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah just, we'll, just tag we'll me down below. <laughs> tag me down below. Yeah. And Quasar as well. Yes, at Quasar Magazine. If you want to follow it, there's no content at the moment, but it will be coming at some point this year. So. But yeah. there's a lot to look through, so just scroll exactly. back. You know, exactly. Catch up. The website's still up. Read everything. Yeah. Read all so about cool. it. And do not forget to let us know that you have listened to this show on socials. We are on Instagram at queer underscore talk. And on Twitter, we are queer talk underscore. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.